You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. And off and running on a Saturday. Hey, you cold, raw Saturday afternoon. It is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM ESPN New York. Oh, my goodness. Do we have a show lined up for you next four hours solo? You, me, so much. Too much to get into. So, of course, the number you know, 1-800-919-ESPN. I'm on Twitter, on Instagram. I'm playing songs. I got it all going on, people, at Gordon Damer. But most importantly, more important than all of that, I'm on your radio. Right up until Knicks, Hawks, pregame, 7 o'clock tonight. So, obviously, a very big game during an important stretch for the Knicks right now. They're banged up. No Kemba tonight. Derek Rose is out tonight. Atlanta, 11-9 and nine on the season, but 8-1 and one at home. So this is an important game for the Knicks, and we'll have the coverage 7 o'clock tonight. So first off, Thursday has come, it's gone, we're moving on and everything else. Hopefully everyone, uh, most importantly you listening right now, had a wonderful Thanksgiving, an enjoyable, a safe, a healthy Thanksgiving. You got some time to unwind with friends, with family, with whoever. You got a little football. Hopefully very little football during that Bears-Lions game because that was, ooh, ah, that was rough. That was a rough watch, as it usually is. Uh, but Thanksgiving, a great day to kind of sit back and unwind, stuff your face. Maybe it's, the, maybe it's the turkey. Maybe it's the potatoes. Maybe it's the gravy. You need the gravy, right? The gravy. Potatoes on Thanksgiving is just a gravy, gravy delivery system. Same thing for the turkey, really. You're just, you just want to eat the gravy, but it's impolite to just drink it right out of the little boat thing that they give it to you. Uh, maybe it's the stuffing, whatever it is. What I'm saying is hopefully you had a safe, healthy, and enjoyable Thanksgiving and, and had a chance to really take in what the day is about, right? To give thanks, to show gratitude. One of my, my favorite quotes is that you know if you're thankful for what you have, you'll always end up having more. But if you focus on what you don't have, you'll never have enough. Uh, so hopefully you had a chance, be it friends, be it family, be it your life, all those type of things. You were able to show some gratitude on Thursday. Uh, you know, in a sports sense, though, it's kind of tough to find anything to really be grateful for in this moment. I mean, Jets, Giants, it's, it's kind of rough to find anything there, right? You really have to. Str- it's like mental gymnastics to find something to be thankful about with the with the Giants or the Jets. Maybe it's the fact that the, the Giants offense is no longer going to be run by Jason Garrett. I'm not sure. Maybe for the Jets, it's the fact that your quarterback is back this week as you face off against the uh, Houston Texans and uh, must-see TV. Uh, the Yankees, man, nothing yet, right? Nothing yet with the baseball. Mets made some moves yesterday, which we'll get into. And I got to be honest, I saw the reaction on Twitter, and I was like, whoa. I mean, the Met fans, they have, you know, the, the gifts or the gifs of people dancing and spending. And I'm thinking, all right, well, what, what happened? What, oh, okay, okay, but what else? What else? And it really wasn't all that much, but we'll get to that. But then, of course, you have the Knicks. The Knicks and Hawks tonight. Knicks sitting at 10 and 9 on the season. As I said before, important stretch, right? You get the Hawks tonight. You get the Nets on Tuesday. You get the Bulls on Thursday. And during this stretch, you still have the Bucs, you still have the Warriors, a bunch of good teams. And right now, it's very tough to watch the Knicks and, and really know what to expect on a night-in and night-out basis. So a year that you thought, okay, this is the year where we're going to take that next step, 
that next step is not really translated so far. Now, there's plenty of time. The season is not half over. We're not even, you know, 20 games into the season. But the, the, the storm clouds, they're, they're forming. If you're, if you're watching the Knicks night in and night out, there's, there's more than enough things to be concerned about. And, and here's what I need. This is what I need, first off, from Nick fans, from the media. And look, I've been guilty of this as well. And want to hear from you at 1-800-919-ESPN. The thing I need is for people to stop saying, well, you know, last year, the Knicks were 12 and whatever the record was, right? The Knicks were under 500 through however many games last year. It takes time. You know, there's going to be an adjustment period. You got two new starters. Uh, But last year, you know, you have to keep in mind, last year, They were just floating around 500 for a good part of the season. Yes, I realize that. And last year, that was acceptable. Last year, anything, just being functional as an organization was was great. So last year, yeah, the expectations were there were no expectations. Just kind of go out there and play hard and give an honest effort. And let's see where the wins and losses fall. And and just being 500 was, uh, was, was pretty good. And then when they finally hit that stretch where they won the nine in a row and, and, and made the playoffs and finishes the four seed, oh, my God, that's, that's above and beyond what anyone could have possibly have thought. But this year is not last year. Last year, that was acceptable. But if you're building something, if you're building an organization, if you're building a program, which you'd like to think the Knicks are with Leon Rose and Tom Thibodeau, it's about improvement. And last year, yes, being 500 through whatever it was, 25, 35, 40 games, that that was acceptable last year. It's not acceptable this year. This was supposed to be better than last year. You supposedly made improvements uh, in the offseason, right? That's why you made the changes you did. And at least so far, the improvements have not improved anything. (laughs) So this year, that, that kind of floating around 500 is not acceptable. And let's start with the upgrades because the upgrades have not been upgrades. Kemba Walker has been bad. Evan Fournier has been bad. In 13 games this month, Evan Fournier six times has scored single digits. This was a guy you went out and spent $78 million on and is scoring 12 points a game and is unplayable in the fourth quarter. And six times he scored single digits, two times or three times he had like 11 points. It was just like barely over single digits. That's not great. In fact, it's terrible. It's terrible. Kemba Walker for the season is minus 122 on the season. He's a negative 122 on the season. Derrick Rose is plus 113, and we can all agree that Rose can't be the starter, can't handle those amount of minutes, can't be your starter. He has to be a guy that comes off the bench, plays 20 to 25 minutes, and you're going to live with the, the, the physical limitations that he's going to endure because he's just so great when he's in there and he's made such an impact since you acquired him. And tonight, <laughs> you don't have Kemba or Derek Rose. So that's not great. Then there's the R.J. Barrett problem, which I think is extended enough, long enough, to, to wonder whether or not it's actually a problem. R.J. Barrett now has shot 40% or worse in 12 straight games. In the last dozen games, he shot like 30% from the field. This after a stretch where it seemed like, and we were all praising him, rightfully so, for taking his game to a new level and and developing into this two-way threat, shutting down uh, on the defensive side and scoring on the offensive side. 
and and he's just been brutal offensively. And it's weird because it, it's not like he's trying to change his, his shot selection or forcing things. He just seems to be off and off. You know, you have a bad game. You had maybe two games, but this is now stretched into a, a, a long enough sample size where you have to think to yourself, what is going on? So you have the normal stuff that we've been kind of talking about, how the offense has just not gelled so far, how the starters have not been improvements, but there's been no flow. Barrett's been awful. The new guys are unplayable in the fourth quarter, and it doesn't really, like, do you feel like it's getting better? Do you feel like it's trending in the right direction or the wrong direction? Because right now it feels like the storm clouds are on the horizon. Now, I don't want to, I'm not going to tell you all, the, well, you know what, the Knicks are in, in desperate straits. They're, they're not going to make the playoffs. This, I mean, there's a long way to go. But it, this is not the, the season that we envisioned so far. This is not the way that you thought that this was going to go. And, 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 and granted, this is a, a brutal stretch of games where going in, you thought, okay, it's going to be tough to find W's here, but let's just kind of hold our own and get through this and we'll be in good shape. Based on how they played last night, now it's only one game and it's against a, a team that's red hot in the Phoenix Suns. It doesn't seem to be a whole – I mean, last night was, was, was rough. I mean, there was not a lot to take from that game that made you feel good as a Nick fan. Now, maybe that's what they need to get back focused and, and tonight against a lesser opponent in the Hawks. Maybe it'll look a whole lot better, but it's not looked good for a while here. And, and the storm clouds, as I said, the, you can see them on the horizon. And this is not what you were hoping for this season. So stop telling me, well, this is kind of like last year. Oh, there's going to be an adjustment period. We're enough into it where you can say, I, I want to see some improvement. We're enough into it that you would think that it would start to come together in some ways. We're almost at 20 tonight, I think, right? It's 20th game of the season. That's a far, that's a, that's a, a very acceptable kind of measuring stick for an NBA season. And with the, with the way things started and the way things are trending, being a little concerned about the direction of the Knicks is not unwarranted. All right, so I laid out uh, the concerns that I have, you have, we all have when it comes to the New York Knicks. Uh, that was the bad news. Here's the worst. Uh, Rose is out tonight. With, I told you that. Kimball Walker's out tonight because of rest. So they also have, uh, I think it's Nerland's Noel is going to be out tonight. And Taj Gibson as well. So you have no, I mean, those are four guys, four pretty sizable rotation players. Maybe not Kemba because, you know, the issues that he's had. But but Gibson, Rose, and uh, Nerland's Noel all going to sit out tonight. So you have to wonder, like, what does the lineup look like? Maybe this is a sign that, that this will be, what is it, the necessity is the mother of invention? Like, maybe quickly gets to start tonight and, and you see some, maybe Tibbs finally sees, hey, you know what, the, I, I got to start this guy. If I can't play Derrick Rose heavy minutes, right? I can't play him 30 minutes. I can't play him starters minutes. Well, then maybe this is the guy that we have to rely on to start games so we're not falling behind as, as much as we have been. Maybe this means more minutes for Alec Burks, and, and finally we can make that switch as well. And you'd have to think that the, the rookies have to see, I mean, you're pretty shorthanded tonight. So either Grimes or McBride, you'd like to think that you're going to see some action tonight. So, yeah, it's a, it's a rough situation when it comes to the Knicks. Our pregame course, 7 o'clock, Knicks and, and Hawks 
and uh, <laughs> as if things weren't bad enough, you're getting the Hawks when they're playing really well. I think they've won five in a row or something like that, or they've won five in a row at home. So they've been red hot. So this is like if you're looking at this stretch of games, and Larry and I talked about it on Wednesday night, like when you're entering this stretch of games, Suns, Hawks, Nets, and who's the fourth game? Bulls? I think it's the Bulls. How many games do you think you can get out of this? And we both said two. Well, now you only got three. <laughs> Find your way to get those two. So tonight would be a, a nice night to get it. All right, so 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. And here's the thing, I guess it is with the Knicks, before we get to the phones, is I, I think when they went about this offseason, when Leon Rose went about this offseason, I think that they, he wanted to make improvements, but he didn't want to go all in either. I think he wanted to kind of re- remain flexible, uh, for when that next-level player becomes available. So he didn't want to go all in and, 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 and sign monster contracts. And even the, the, the deals that they did between Kemba and Fournier, I mean, $78 million is a lot, but it's not nearly – I mean, you could have went out and spent what you spent on two players on one guy if you went out and got Lonzo Ball. So I think that they wanted to kind of keep that flexibility uh, on their side so that when they can make that massive upgrade – and it's pretty clear with this group that, I mean, they've talked about it on the K show. Other shows have talked about it. There's not any piece on this Knicks team that you would say is untradeable. Like, that. oh, the, no deal will I deal this guy in that. It depends on who's available. And there's a very good chance that there's not one single piece on this team that is untradeable. But I think that that's what they wanted to kind of do. It wasn't just about upgrading uh, this, this season. It was about that next move that when they can go out and get the the – you know, the disgruntled superstar, whoever that is. The problem with that is those don't have, you know, you know when free agency starts. You know when the trade deadline is. Disgruntled superstar season, it's kind of always there, and you're kind of hoping that it's going to bear fruit at some point, but there's no there's no end date on that. There's no start time for that. So that uh, leaves you a little bit open to trying to find ways to improve your team. And right now for the Knicks, it's about improving what they have, and it's difficult when you're, I mean, they've been so banged up. I mean, the big man all season, if you have one of them, that's a lot. You very rarely have two at the same time. Between Mitchell Robinson and Nerlens Noel, it was hurt to start the season. Taj Gibson's now banged up. So this is going to be uh, an interesting watch tonight. All right, 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. Let's go out to the phones. We'll start off with uh, Spike is in St. Pete. Spike. What's, you know what, Spike, I said before, uh, I, I was going to say uh, that, the, you know, like the Chargers, it took me a while to get used to saying the L.A. Chargers. Spike in St. Pete now finally sounds a little bit more normal. Well, I'm glad you feel that way. It's a lot warmer here than it is with you. So it's yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't be hard. Are you, well, thank you very much. Yeah, not only do you seriously now bring people together, and I know we joke about it, but you know uh, it means a lot to me. And the best thing that usurps that is a promo code Gordon. Told my kid, who's a police officer, I said, I'm going to give you a good parlay. Bet the Hawks to win and the Lakers Sacramento over. <laughs> I catch a triple overtime game. You, you can't step in it anymore. I throw That's the right. shoes out and step in it by three new wheel pair, you know. But uh, seriously speaking, you're right. You're right. Uh, Kemba looks washed up. He does. And, and he's a wonderful human being with a great smile, but he's too small and, or as Clyde would say, diminutive. 48 to me, uh, I believe Alan said it yesterday. Uh, astonishing figure. He only added to it yesterday. 
scores 40% or more of his points in the first quarter. So let him come off the bench. You know, let him be a bench player. You got to give quickly some exposure. And then I did call that night with you and Larry. And the next 10, we said, let's split, take five. But the big man is a big, big problem. Um, every time it's arrives, and you know I'm not a big fan of him as a basketball player. I'm sure he's a wonderful young man. But every time he goes down, I'm saying, there it is again. Uh, Nerlens Noel's played very, very well. He's more effective. He has better movement, better hands. And Taj is a glue guy. He's 15 minutes a game, but that's still something. He rarely makes a mistake, but he brings no offense. Uh, Rose has been the heart and soul of the team. You and I have agreed on that uh, for two years. And without him, you can't put him on the starting team because then you got a minutes problem. Uh, and the big culprit here, Gordon, and uh, thanks for the call, and I hope you had a wonderful holiday. Julius Randle's taken a few steps back. There's no question about it. Um, he just has. Uh, he seems more effective when he's controlling the ball. And that's not what you want. If you watch Phoenix or Golden State, there's no doubt about it, they're the best two teams in the NBA right now. I'm not even talking record wise. The beauty of the way they move the ball, both of them, and Chris Paul's amazing me. That's a tough team. Now, they won the first two of the finals last year, and then, then it caught up with them. But it's a gradual process. So I watched the game tonight. Atlanta wiped the floor with Memphis last night. But John Moran only played eight or nine minutes. He had an injury. So I'll toss that one out. But let's see what happens. You know, if we, you never know from game to game. You know that. But I'll look it up, and they're probably five or six-point favorites, Atlanta. So the Knicks could be in this game right to the end or lose by 20. You know what you got. But could you please comment on my take on Julius Randle? Yeah, well, look, uh, and Spike, thanks for the phone call. Uh, I a certain level of regression, I think, was kind of expected. I mean, last year, Randall had like a dream season that was featured. I mean, he hit countless big shots, tough shots, shots in traffic. And, you know, we're all saying, wow, this is amazing. Yeah, maybe that was unsustainable more than just last year. It wasn't sustainable in the playoffs last year. We know that. So he has taken a step back. And how he meshes and his game meshes with the additions that you've made who have not really given you anything, that's the crux of the problem, right? The Knicks have more than just one problem right now. I laid out the, the, the Barrett stuff, the injuries, the point guard. But the, the main part is that Randall has not looked like Randall of last year, and maybe that was unfair to expect. And that's, I think, why you had to go out last year and make improvements to the starting lineup. We got through the playoffs last year, and you say, okay, it's clear now they are not as talented as the Hawks. They need to go out and find weapons on the offensive end, and they tried to do that, but it seems like it almost feels like they kind of made some half measures, right? They went out and signed 48 to the contract they did, which I get it, $78 million sounds monstrous, but it's really in this NBA, it's not that much. And then they go out and make the deal for Kemba, which is a nice story, but you you said it, right? Like Boston, for the problems that Boston has had so far this year, I don't think that they're missing either Evan Fournier or Kemba Walker. Uh, and, and I think that that's the crux of the problem. Now, can it get fixed? Let's hope so. Uh, and the problem uh, even more so right now is that the, the Knicks have to fix it themselves. Like we all, with the Knicks, there's like always this conversation, oh, who are they going to get down the road? That that down the road is really down the road. Nothing's happening right now. It's about the Knicks fixing themselves right now, and, and that conversation's got to take a back seat in, in terms of 
um, what happens uh, you know, by the trade deadline this year, the offseason, the, 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 the disgruntled superstar, who can the Knicks target? Let's go out to uh, JoJo. JoJo's in Nutley. JoJo, what's going on, my man? Hey, good afternoon, Gordon. Uh, happy holidays. Happy Thanksgiving. Same to you, Joe. What's going um, on, man? I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty uh, confused just on just on the gameplay of the Knicks right now. I don't know if you've noticed the you know past couple games. I'll you know I'll talk about the most recent one. I wasn't going into you know this big stretch that we have. I wasn't going in thinking that we were going to beat the Suns. I didn't even think we were going to beat the Lakers. But you know, just just to compete. It, you know, I heard this morning uh, on Dave Rothenberg that I was thinking the same thing. They're coming out of timeouts. They're turning the ball over and then passing. You know, they, they can't even pass the ball in. And it just looks like a lack of hustle. I see Randall and RJ both on the left side of the court or both on the same side of the court. They, they don't know how to use their right. Like, I feel like these are little things that Thibodeau just – I don't know if he just looks like he had it or maybe he just thinks – this is what he's dealt with, and he's just doing the best he can with them. And, you know, we, I know I've called him before, and we, we have to make a big change. I don't know if it's Lillard. I don't know if it's Towns. I don't know what the big name is. But, you know, fans, Knicks fans, this is not our playoff team. Don't talk about last year. We, you know, we have to hope we can maybe sneak in this year. And I'll be fine with that, but we, we just need to – Something needs to happen. I don't know if you agree or not, but uh, well, look, Joe, that's what has to happen. Yeah, I mean, look, Joe, and thanks for the phone call. That There's a conversation to be had about the Knicks, right? Like, when you hire Leon Rose to be your team president and run your organization, I think you're doing so because that's a guy that has his ear to the pipeline. Or, I don't know if that's the right analogy. But you know what I mean? Like, he, he hears things, he knows things within the league that other people might not know. He's a former agent, right? So he has ways of, of wheeling and dealing. So when you go out and you, and you bring in a guy like that, yeah, at some point, the Knicks, it's about finding that disgruntled superstar who's going to lead your organization. But I don't think that that's the conversation. That, that's not happening right now, right? Like, it's about you fixing you. And, and the Knicks have more than enough problems to fix right now on themselves. And it's about getting Randall looking more like he was last year. It's about whatever the heck is going on with R.J. Barrett at this moment. It's about, D- I mean, it's almost like that, uh, the, the guy that used to spin the plates on the sticks. I mean, the Knicks have a lot of issues that they got to fix right now. And, and, and the one about down the road... I'm sure at some point that will become front and center. Maybe it's the trade deadline this year. Maybe it's deeper into the season. But right now it's about the Knicks fixing themselves. They don't look like a very cohesive unit at this point. And that's on Tom Thibodeau. That's on Leon Rose to figure out how they get this to to gel a little bit more quickly because right now it's not gelled at all. And if anything, it seems like it's going the other direction. I mean, you, you won four or five to come out of the box. And I don't think that anybody thought, hey, the Knicks are going to win 80% of their games. But you didn't think that you were going to be floating here around 500. And, and, and floating at 500 in a week, that might seem good. I mean, with the games that they have coming up, with the injuries that they have and how they are playing, that might seem a whole lot better than it is right now. All right, so Michigan. Not that I usually do a whole lot on football, but Michigan has just beaten uh, Ohio State 42-27. So first time for Jim Harbaugh that he has beaten the, the team that he has to beat, right? He had been 0-5 against the Buckeyes since getting to Michigan. I think he was like 2-13 or 2-14 against like top 10 teams. So this is a big win. I'd have to say his biggest win, right? And Hassan Haskins, 
the running back in Michigan, five touchdown runs uh, on the afternoon. So first player in, I think, college football history to run for five touchdowns in a game against Ohio State. So I'm sure somewhere right now in the Giants' offices, Dave Gettleman's thinking to himself, how do, how do I get him? Do I, do I have to use the, the, the first pick? Do I have to take both picks and trade up <laughs> to get him? Oh, boy. Uh, all right, so 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone. I, I guess I, I, like for, it seemed like for so long that Jim Harbaugh was like the, name, like the hot name in NFL circles because of the success that he had at uh with the with the Niners and then going to Michigan it seemed like at some point that he would be back in the NFL like he, he never he never beat Ohio State until today so now that he's finally beaten them I guess he's not going anywhere but I I kind of wonder like if he were to now that let's say that Michigan this year goes on and wins like a national championship right it's, it's at least possible and he wants to get back into the NFL. If your team were looking for a head coach, would you still be excited? Because there was a point where Jim Harbaugh would have been like the number one name on the coaching market. And um, I don't know that I would feel, I guess it would kind of depend on who your coach is, but I don't know that I'd feel all that great anymore. And if he were to be the coach of my NFL team, and there was a point where every offseason, oh, is this the year that Jim Harbaugh is going to make the jump back to the NFL? And he definitely had success. Right, got the Niners to a Super Bowl. Was not able to win it, but still, uh, yeah, I don't know if I'd, I would. I would. Uh, I guess it would. It would depend on what the other options are. <laughs> and trust me, with my team, been a lot of bad options. All right, let's go back to the phones. One eight hundred nine one nine ESPN is the uh, telephone number. Ira is in Staten Island. Ira, you and I both agreed last week that last week was going to be the the week for the for the Jets to beat the Dolphins. It did not take place. I'm uh, I'm sorry for you. I'm sorry for my bank account. But Ira. Happy holidays, my friend. Happy holidays, and yeah, yeah, boy, we'll be both as one on that. But yeah, I handed you that game last week. I mean, oh, absolutely. The Jets did everything in their powers to give you that game, but you know what? The Dolphins earned it, and Tua played a respectable game. And you know what? It's interesting to watch Tua because I guess he's about the same height as Wilson. I guess maybe a little shorter. It seems but like he's so much Dolphins shorter. Cred- What's that? It seems like he's so much smaller. He just looks like a slight okay, well, guy. He does, but I give the Dolphins coaching staff credit that they moved him and rolled him out of the pocket where he can make plays where the Jets have yet to figure that out. And it's going to be tough for Mr. Wilson tomorrow because I just learned that Matt Cavanaugh is out with the COVID protocols. So it'll be on the coaching, uh, the guy that's been in Wilson gear, um, it's not going to be down there starting to, you know, tomorrow. So you got that. You got he's out. Davis is out. You got Carter's out. So it won't be easy for Wilson, but he's got to go out there. You know, they're playing a team as bad as them, maybe even worse. Um, I, I don't even know what to expect. The guy's been out for a month. He's probably going to have to take the first half to shake off the rust. Um, but I think tomorrow is a litmus test type of game for Wilson. Because if he goes out there, Oh, well, uh, then we didn't even get to the defense by any chance. If the Texans put up more than 20 points, that's that's alarming on Salah. But if Wilson goes out there and can't operate this offense the way the other three quarterbacks have, whether they win or lose, to me would really raise a red flag. I don't know what you think. 
Yeah, I mean, that's kind of been the thing, Ira, and, and thanks for the phone call. That It's amazing to me how much the offense has looked better with other guys. And it's not, you know, it, it would be the type of thing where if they had Flacco from the start, right, and he just came in there and it, and just looked kind of like more functional overall, you would understand that. All right, there's a guy who's been around the block. He can kind of deal with this thing or that thing and, and, and okay, and and last week he put up what was it 290 yards and a couple of touchdowns. All right, all right, but but that hasn't been the case. I mean, it's been everybody, and 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 you can maybe pick apart things a little bit with with Josh Johnson because it was it was such garbage time, and if the Colts wanted to score 60 points, they could have scored 60 points. But yeah, if he goes out there, he, as easy as the Jets' schedule is the rest of the way, they will not play a less talented team this season than the Houston Texans. I think that that's, uh, I think that's fair, right? The Texans are as bad as they come. And if you can't go there and make some plays against that team, that second, I mean, we'll have the stats a little bit later on when we get to the Jets segment, but their defense is essentially as bad as the Jets' defense is. So if you can't make plays against that, and in every facet of the defense, not just like points allowed, yards allowed, turnovers, pass rush, and that might be the number one because I was looking at stats this week about dealing with pass rush. The one area, like we all said, well, since the Jets have not had Zach Wilson, the offenses look better. The most glaring aspect is since Zach Wilson's not been in there, their quarterbacks have not got sacked nearly at the rate that Zach Wilson has gotten sacked. And that goes from, from Mike White, who has not played a whole lot, right? First NFL start and all those type of things. First NFL game. Uh, same thing with Josh Johnson. Did not get sacked at the nearly the... I, I think it was almost like the rate was double with Wilson than it was with all the other guys. So that's an area where he's got to be better. And, and there's no better chance for the Jets to win a game the rest of the year than that game, than this game. And I, I would almost make the argument and this is what I was going to say before the break is, if they lose this game, and it always, it always kind of depends on how you lose, right? Do you lose on a last-minute field goal, or do you... If they lose this game like they lost last week where it was clear in the fourth quarter they were losing, that's as bad a loss as the Jets have had at any point under under Adam Gase. I mean, like, I, I would think that Gase's worst loss... Remember the, the Thanksgiving Day game that they played the first year against the Bengals? The Bengals had the first pick that year. They lost that game, and I think didn't Gay say like he didn't spend any time with his family so he could prepare for the Bengals, and the Jets lost like twenty-four to three. <laughs> like they didn't even score a touchdown. If you lose the tech, the Texans are atrocious, and they're coming off a win. So you would think, all right, look, this is a chance to to get right against the team that might be feeling a little bit better about themselves, and, and maybe taking themselves a little bit too uh, looking at themselves a little too kindly. So yeah, I mean, this is you got to be able to play well against this team. If the quarterback does not play well against this team, then who's he going to play well against this year? The whole year. I mean, we get granted that there's going to be some bumps along the road. There's going to be growing pains. All fair. And there were no expectations on what it would look like. But you got to be able to perform well against somebody at some point. It can't just be like one game against the Titans when the Titans had none of their receivers at all. You have to be able to play well in this game. 
1-800-919-ESPN is the uh, telephone number. We'll go out to uh, Dave is in Queens. Dave, what's going on, my man? Nicolope. Hello. Dave. Gordon? Yeah, man, what's hey, going Gordon. on? Hey, buddy, yeah, got... I'm in the bar. I'm sorry. I'm, just, right, I'm in the bar. I, I, I like uh, your style, man. I like your show. Thank the thing you. is, um, I never met a guy named Gordon either in my life, which is interesting. I, I, I'm well, 50 years old. but So you're the man. You're the only Gordon I've, I've ever heard. But I've heard the name, never met a Gordon. But listen, right. um, let me ask you this. Cam Haywood punched Justin Herbert in the stomach last yes. um, Sunday night. I didn't see that anywhere. I didn't see a suspension. Even the announcers on the game didn't really make a big thing of it. I thought that was so, like, ridiculous. Yeah, um, and his was, explanation you know, was ridiculous. Wasn't that horrific? I mean, like, not horrific. It's a tall world. I mean, right. wasn't it's that football, horrible but yeah. Football I mean, it was clearly intentional. His 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 yeah, his reasoning that it was, like, and, and accidental. He wasn't no. suspended. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know about suspension, but there certainly should have been a, a fine. I mean, it was clearly intentional. And his reason, you know, oh, I was just trying to get up. Yeah. <laughs> that's not, yeah. that, that was, I mean, not, it was not true. It was so dirty. I mean, that's, yeah. that's the face of the league in a way, um, Justin Herbert. Kind of like Judge's uh, face of baseball in a way. Justin Herbert's kind of the face of the NFL. And, yeah, and anybody, any quarterback, it doesn't matter if it's Simeon, anybody. Just well, to, to do that, it was terrible. And I wanted to bring that to the people's attention that didn't see it or hear about it because the media didn't really cover that this week. And I thought he should have been suspended. And thanks a lot, Gordon. All right, Dave. I appreciate it. Uh, Oh, I don't know about a suspension. uh, And I don't know about Justin Herbert being the face of the league, but I will agree with your point with like that, that was worse than a lot of things that I have seen flags thrown for in terms of, you know, roughing the passer or uh, at at various points of games where they will will throw a like at this point with the NFL. And it was certainly true during the Thanksgiving day games that it's almost like you watch the game and you watch a play and then you find out, Oh, is that what actually happened? Or is there now a flag for roughing the passer because the, because the defender, the pass rusher got there like a second late and happened to tap his shoulder pads and the quarterback fell down is it is it a taunting call because the guy might have possibly gotten excited after making a play and might have looked at somebody wrong? I mean, the officiating and the over-officiating is ridiculous. And, you know, it'd be one thing if the officials overall were just knocking it out of the park with all the different calls. You know what? We are doing such an amazing job, and we have we have perfected officiating a pro sport at such a level Please, by all means, give us more to do. That would be one thing, but that certainly is not the case either. So, yeah, that was clearly a dirty play. The, the reasoning from, from Hayward was absolutely uh, ridiculous. But, no, I, I like to see the stars of the game play the game. That's what, I'm, that's what I'm there for. That's what I hate. Like, I hate baseball that the umpires have such a rabbit ears that they are throwing out the stars of the game so often. Like, you don't see that in other sports. Like, you don't see ejections at other sports at the degree that baseball does. But yet the officials have that power in uh, in baseball. So, no, I didn't want to see uh, anybody get suspended. And I don't know that Cam Hayward is one of the stars of the game, so maybe my point is not really uh, hitting home there. But you know what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying. Before we go back to the phones, let me, uh, you know, if I were to give you a player, an NFL player, who is, you know, we talk so much about rookie quarterbacks. Let me ask you, if you had a rookie quarterback on a team, right, and he had played, he didn't play all 16 games. Let's say he played 15 games in his rookie season. And in his rookie season, he finished, he completed like 65% of his passes 
for about uh, 3,200 yards. His uh, touchdown, 20 touchdowns, so not, you know, uh, 20, 11 interceptions, so basically two-to-one touchdown-to-interception ratio. A quarterback rating like 89. For a rookie, would you say that that was, was okay? Would you say, let me ask you this, would you say, you know what, we got to get rid of this guy. We got to find someone better than him at any price, at any cost. Doesn't matter what we have to give up, and it doesn't matter who the person is that we're bringing in. He has to be, we have to find someone better than this guy. Because the stats that I just gave you are the stats for Tua Tungavailoa through his first year and change of, uh, of his NFL career. Now, he only started nine games last year. He started six games so far this year. Injuries are a major concern, and I've said that ever since the, before they, they drafted him. I, I couldn't understand why you would take a guy that injury-prone with the fifth pick in the draft, but you did. And, and I'm not telling you that he has lit the world on fire. He certainly has not been Justin Herbert. Clearly, you got that wrong. But he's not been – he's not – the way he's portrayed is like he's like the worst – and trust me, we've seen rookie quarterbacks in this town be a whole lot worse. I remember when people were getting all bent out of shape because Sam Darnold over the final four games of his rookie season looked pretty good. And they were, oh, my God, year two is going to be so amazing. Spoiler alert, year two was not amazing. If we had a quarterback, if Daniel Jones in his life at any point with the Giants went 65% of his passes, 20 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, and a quarterback rating of 89, you'd feel a whole lot better about the quarterback you had on the Giants. He's thrown 20 touchdowns in the last two years. That's not his rookie year. You can't portray he in his rookie year, he had 24. Since his rookie year, he's had 20. And that guy's a turnover machine. Same thing goes for Sam Darnold. Same thing goes for Zach Wilson at this point. You throw 20 touchdowns in your rookie year and 11 interceptions, you'd feel a whole 65% of your passes, 3,200 yards. You'd feel like that was a halfway decent jumping off point for a rookie. Apparently not. <laughs> sure, the Dolphins know better. Sure. All right, let's go back to the phones. 1-800-919-ESPN is the uh, telephone number. Danny is in Yonkers. Danny, you're next up on ESPN New York. Hey, Gordon, what's going on, man? Hey, man, how are you? Uh, not bad. So I have this hot take that if it wasn't for all this other garbage that's going on with the Jets and the Giants, I think people would really kind of come to re- realize that Saquon Barkley might be the biggest bust in, like, the last 20 years. I mean, this guy had the gold jacket before he even got drafted. I've never seen – I don't think I've ever seen a college player as hyped as Saquon was to, like, as considered, like, NFL-ready, and he's kind of terrible. Uh, well, look, Danny, a lot of it has to do with uh, injury, right? Like, um, the fact that he just can't stay healthy. And, Danny, thanks for the phone call. I, I've said at this point, like, we all talk about Daniel Jones. Do the Giants stick with him? Do they move on? All these different type of things. I, I think it's clear at this point when it comes to Saquon Barkley, I, I just can't rely on that guy to remain healthy at a position where, as you age, you're, you're going to get more injured. So, uh, I'm not going to say he was the biggest bust of the last uh, 15, 20 years. I think any time that you draft a, a quarterback at that spot, it's the reason why no one else would, would have taken a, a running. And no one ever will again. That's the real takeaway. No one in our lifetimes 
will ever take a running back number two again. And if they do, we will all point out how it's a mistake. It was clear at the time. All I need to tell, think about all the different hosts we have on this station. Everybody has a different opinion. Everybody's coming at it from a different point of view. I'm fairly certain there is not a single host on this station who thought Saquon was that that was a good pick that with all the needs that the Giants had with all the things that all the areas that they had to fill out that that would have been the right way to go no one takes a running back number two no one because of all the things you need for that running back to be successful so it was always a mistake it's turned out to be that way it's crystal clear now look when he's been held, his rookie year, he was healthy and he was very, very good. He ha- he didn't impact wins and losses per se, but at least in terms of his production, he was good. He's not been healthy since that point. Uh, now he's not been great this year because he was coming back from the injury and then he finally was kind of getting up to speed and then they got hurt again. So I think he does have talent. Usually when you use the term bust, it's somebody that just cannot perform. Jamarcus Russell, Ryan Leaf, those kind of guys. But, I mean, he was the second pick in the draft, and he's missed more time at this point, I think, than he's, he's, he's made. Or it's pretty close. It's about 50-50, so it's not great. I always love this. The caller there before said uh, that uh, Saquon is the, the biggest, what do you say, the biggest draft bust of the, like, the last 20 years. That's not true. Uh, now, it was a mistake. That pick was a mistake. It was a mistake at the time, and it's been proven that uh, that, that position is not going to impact teams as much and and given all the different needs that the Giants had at that point that was not the time to be taking a running back and we will probably never see again a running back go number two in the draft at this point we kind of I mean just take a look at the league I mean you have guys that are, are second round picks undrafted guys that's not the area of the draft where you're taking a running back and we'll probably never see a running back go number two again now if I were to say a draft bust I don't even think that Saquon's the biggest running back draft bust of the last, I don't know what he said, 10, 20 years. Trent Richardson was a much bigger bust. Like if if Saquon were to be able to stay healthy, I think that he can be a productive player, but that was really never the question. He can be productive, but can he is his production actually going to impact the offense like you need? If you're playing behind a subpar offensive line, with a, a young quarterback who's still kind of developing. You know, they've added some other playmakers there, but he's not been able to stay healthy, so it kind of it kind of uh, ruins any argument because if you can't play, I mean, what are you going to do? And um, you just take a look at that draft that year. If they had gone in another direction, if they had gone the optimal direction, I think clearly one of two ways, and, and, and this is not hindsight because at the time I said – Look, if you don't love any of the quarterbacks, that's fine. You're just starting the rebuilding process. You're not a piece away. You're not a player away. If you don't love any of the quarterbacks, okay, there's other ways you can go. You can trade down and stockpile picks, which might have been the best way to go. Or how about like the sliding doors of of possibilities where instead of taking Saquon at number two, you take Quentin Nelson at number two. And then in the second round, instead of taking Will Hernandez, you took Nick Chubb. You think you would have liked the, the, the where things would have been headed for the Giants as an organization? And, and, and think about Quentin Nelson. 
that's supposed to be Gettleman's thing, right? Like the hog mollies about the offensive lineman. And he didn't, he didn't evaluate that part, right? Because he was talking about how Saquon's body was a gift from God or whatever the line was. It was very strange. Very strange. All right, let's go back to the phone, shall we? 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. Buddha's in the Bronx. Buddha, what's going on, buddy? Gordon, what's going on, my dude? How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Hope everything's well with you and the family. Listen, <laughs> before I get to the point about the Jets, you know, I just feel, you know, a lot of times Giants fans, they don't know how good they've had it. And Saquon has been injured. But if you want to look in the dictionary and see the picture of somebody who was a bust, you're going to type first name Blair, and then yeah. the second name is going to be Thomas. Yeah. <laughs> now, that's a bust. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, generally the bust means that you could not play given your draft slot. Like, for Saquon, I think he can play, just he's been hurt a lot. Yeah, he's been hurt. And like you said, Blair Thomas couldn't play. Right. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I was listening when Ira had called you, and he said there was a red flag uh, with Wilson if he doesn't perform well. I, I totally agree with what he's saying. Um, I'm just going to raise both of you guys uh, one red flag and make it actually three. For Wilson, not only does like, – the Jets have to win this game. Like, I, I, there's, there's no more victories. There's no nothing. Because if they don't win this game, you can't sell – forget about selling the program to the players. You can't sell the program to your fans. You know, obviously, Wilson, Wilson has to play – I mean, he has to hit a screen pass – he has to hit an intermediate throw. That that has to take place, and he's got to win at some times from the pocket. But the thing that's already hurt him is what we were concerned about, and you were talking about Tua is slight. If you look at Wilson lined up next to Tua, he might be an inch taller, but he's half the width of him. So, you know, that we were worried about him, and he did get injured already. It, it was a freak injury at the sideline because he was holding on to the ball, but that's what we were concerned with. But the second and the third red flags that, you know, I have, and I'm sure pretty much a lot of people do have is, listen, if Tyrod Taylor comes out here and rushes for 80 yards yeah. and throws for 225 and three touchdowns, right. I mean, you know, then I'm going to start talking about who is this Robert Sala. <laughs> That's not going to be a good look for him, man. That is no. not going to be a good look for him. And then lastly – um, with the talent that's been acquired, you know, everybody likes to run this, this stuff about, you know, Joe Joe Douglas, he did a good job in this draft, you know, which, listen, Elijah Moore looks like a very good player. Michael Carter, both Michael Carters look like good players. Eccles and um, Bryce Hall from last year look like good players. But the problem is, is these guys are on the clock. And, you know, it's very nice to have a whole bunch of, couple of young guys who are playing well. But in order to solidify your team, you've got to do better with trades and you've got to do better with uh, free agent signings. And if they keep losing, Gordon, and if this becomes – really, we know it's a double-digit loss season already. How are you going to bring anybody in here that's going to help to like, – if you're a big play wide receiver, then you see what Zach Wilson looks like. He's not going to be all right for the next year. You're not coming here. If you're an offensive lineman – and you see that the Jets don't really have an identity. They're not a running team. They're not a passing team. You're not going to sign it. So all that youth is really going to be good, but it's really going to help the next coach and the next um, GM who come in because these guys are going to get fired next year if this doesn't turn around. Yeah, well, look, and Buddha, thanks for the phone call. If you don't see some signs, right, by, if we get to this point next year and you're still looking like this, oh, my God, I can't even imagine. Now – 
I shouldn't say it's an impossibility because when I was sitting here a year ago this time, if you would have told me that we were going into week 12 and given all the, the different parts of it, that the Jets were going to be underdogs against the Houston Texans, I would have said, well, that's an impossibility. It has to be better. You're just coming off the worst coach of all time in Jets history and Adam Gase. And here you go, and you're an underdog on the road to the, I mean, let that sink in. Underdogs to the Texans. And again, going into the season, no expectations about wins and losses, but underdogs to the Texans, yeah, there's no reason that the Jets don't win this game. You can't beat the Texans. Again, the Texans, worst offense in football. They're averaging 15 points a game. They have the worst secondary in football. Their pass rush is 29th. Their run defense gives up 4.5 a carry. They're the third worst uh, in football in terms of run defense. They give up 129 yards per game. And their offense stinks too. They rank last in points, last in yards. They have the worst running game. Their passing game is 31st, not 32nd. They average five plays per drive. So they get the ball. They get like one first down, and then it's one, two, three, punt. They average 23 yards per drive. If you can't play well, if you can't beat that team, I'm not saying fire anyone. I'm not saying he's a bust. I'm not saying, but boy, oh boy, that I mean, that is a red flag. That's a huge red flag. That's like the flag they carry at the football games with the guy carrying on the giant stick, right? He's running. That's the, the size of that red flag. It's like outside the car dealer. You ever see those car dealerships? They got the giant. That's the size of the red flag that that would be. Yes, you absolutely have to win this game uh, on Sunday. And for Zach Wilson, he has to play well. I'm not saying that he has to be the reason that you win. I'm not saying he has to go throw for 300 yards or three touchdowns or like Mike White did or throw for 291 and two touchdowns like Joe Flacco. But you got to be able to make plays. You're going up against the Texans, man. Yeah, but it's on the road. I don't care if it's on the moon. You got to be able to win that game. You can't be losing to the Tex- to, to the Texans. So Zach Wilson had... I kept hearing from all the Jet fans after the Mike White day against the Bengals and even the, the one drive against the Colts, well, you know, he's gotten to sit on the sidelines and learn, and I didn't really believe that sitting on the sidelines and learning is going to be, I think you'll learn by doing. But at this point, that's all. that should be all the sitting on the sidelines and learning that Zach Wilson should have to deal with. At this point, he should kind of be up to speed. Now, I'm not saying it's going to be flawless. I'm sure he'll still have – he's still a rookie, and there's going to be some, some growing pains, and I'm sure there'll be, you know, an interception here or a sack there. Yeah, he's not working with the most talented team in the world, but you got to look better. you gotta, you got to be able to go out there and at least kind of keep it where it's been since you've been gone. He shouldn't need more time to be standing on the sidelines and learning. Well, what you do is when the big play's not available, Zach – you hit the backs out of the backfield, or you hit the little crossing route, or you, you maybe you hit the tight end when he sits down and cover. Okay, you, maybe I, I mean you should not need any more time to be sitting and learning on the sidelines. He was the second pick in the draft, and I get it. Corey Davis isn't going to be there. Although when Corey Davis is there, 
it's just as hard to find them a lot of the times. This is not a a, a decent team you're going up against. This is not a, a bad team. This is like the they might be the least talented team in football, the Texans. So, yes, you have to be able to go and get that win. <laughs> if nothing else, the rest of the way, you got to be able to go and get that one. Let's go out to Doug on Long Island. Doug, you're next up on ESPN New York. You are so right, Gordon. Uh, I hope you had a good holiday. And, and Buda, my man, you, you, you said you did it for me because I told the producers here, I said, Blair Thomas is one of my best friends when he was here, and he admitted that, man, this is crazy. It's, it's more difficult. He had some nagging injuries, but he had a bust-type career. He would say it to you yeah, today, fair. and he's not listening. But I, I told your producer I would never say that because, you know, all those guys were really good friends of mine. And, and I don't think Saquon's a bust, and I want to say one other thing. One of the receivers, and don't get me lying on the radio, Jeff Graham or Chris Burkett or one of the guys, not one of the – maybe – they said, you guys traded away Derek Carr and drafted Doug Flutie. <laughs> That's what they said about about uh, Zach. You know, it's, I, I think Zach's going to be an okay quarterback. He's a good quarterback. But I think um, that, you know, you're right. He needs to play in the spot. And if they can't, the Texans are like Hofstra's double-A program that is now non-existent in football. So I really don't know. But and on another point, those are guys will come. Dudes want to, listen, these guys are competitive. Guys, if you pay, they will play right. yeah, that's the most thing. of them. Right. Most of them. Most yeah. Of them. Doug, your, your phone is breaking up a little bit, so I'm going to let you go. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. But, uh, you know, to make Buddha's point a little bit, you would like to at some point be a destination. And I don't know necessarily that you can be a destination in football per se, you know, where you're coming from where the Jets are coming from. But, it's almost like to get people to, to come here at this point, you're going to have to overpay. And we've seen in free agency, overpaying a lot of times, you, you, you're going to be making a mistake. It's about finding specific needs and filling those specific needs and, and not wanting to, to overpay and just be the reason the guy came here or the primary reason the guy came here is because you're offering him so much significantly more than any other team was going to be willing to pay that guy. And, and we've seen that, it doesn't seem like it's popped up so far this year. Maybe it will as the season goes along. At this time last year, what was all the conversation about the Jets? Well, you know, they're going to have a high pick, but look at all this cap space they're going to have. And it was the same conversation the year before. Look at all this cap space they're going to have. And I'm sh- I don't know what the, the exact numbers are for this year, but I'm sure the Jets are going to have a lot of cap space again this year. The reason why is because they're not, they're not paying anybody on their own team. And why is that? Well, they got a very young team and, and nobody's making that kind of money yet. But the, the, the draft picks that should be entering that phase where they're starting to get paid, they're not here. A lot of them are not in the NFL because you busted those those picks were busts. So, um, yeah, it's great to have that cap space, but actually being able to to take it and utilize it to improve your team. It's not happened so far with the Jets. Let's put it that way. It's not happened so far. All right, Gordon Damer, 98.7 FM, ESPN New York, taking you up to uh, pregame, Knicks and Hawks coming up 7 o'clock, but it is 6 o'clock. It is Saturday, and that means, of course, if it's the Gordon Damer show, you know what it's time for. Yes, the polar opposite of power rankings. Now, you might be saying, Gordon, what are the polar opposite of power rankings? Well, seeing how our focus on Sundays is generally our primary focus, Jets game, Giants game. I watch the Dolphins a lot because that's my team, unfortunately. 
I can't honestly, truly give you a breakdown of who the best in the NFL is. All the other shows, they figure out who's the best, the power rankings in the NFL. But if you need a guy to tell you who is the worst, well, then I'm that guy. So it's time for our weekly deep dive into the absolute worst there is in the National Football League. 152 days, people, until the NFL draft. But who's counting? Well, fans of these teams, they are, trust me, they are definitely absolutely counting. So let's get to it. Time to tell who's the worst in the NFL in week 12. All righty, we count them down every single week. The bottom five teams in the NFL. And you think, ah, it's just the same teams every week. No, there's a lot of turnover. Now, this first team, they were in. They were out. And now they are back. It is the New York Giants. Yes, coming off their bye week, an extra day to prepare. Monday night showdown against the Bucks. They usually do a good job against Tom Brady. And plus, the Giants' weapons healthier than they have been. The worst thing you can ever do is believe in the Giants. They scored one touchdown, and that came on a possession that started at the five-yard line. Saquon Barkley, he's back. He had 25 yards. Kenny Galladay, he's back. He had one catch. During the game, you could count the amount of times that Peyton and Eli said to each other, I'm not really sure what the Giants were going for there. Like, that's not a good sign when the, the, the first family of football is essentially saying, and, and one of the guys played for the team, he's a Giant fan. Yeah, I'm not really sure what the Giants were going for. Since the New Orleans game where Kenny Galladay caught uh, six passes on October 3rd, he has three catches since. Obviously, you know all the Jason Garrett start uh, stats. Uh, Daniel Jones, now 49 turnovers in 36 games. He has 20 touchdown passes in the last two se- you know, last season and this season combined. Last week, week 11, Pro Football Focus ranked Will Hernandez 191st out of all the offensive linemen. And you're probably thinking to yourself, well, Gordon, how many offensive linemen did they rank? Yes, 191. Yes, it's bad. It's probably going to get worse. I can't wait to see all the Eagle fans on Michael Strahan Day at MetLife. So for those reasons, and so many more, the Giants, number five on the polar opposite of power rankings. All right, so we go to number four. Tough. Tough. I mean, there's so many bad teams in the NFL. You always are going to leave a few out. We can't expand it any more than five. That's the the tough decision. So I'm going to go with number four being the Houston Texans. Yes, the Houston. Oh, sorry, excuse me. Uh, the Texans, because last time out they did get a win against the Tennessee Titans, the team with the best record in the AFC. How were they doing it? Well, last week they didn't. You realize that last week, Tyrod Taylor scored a touchdown in the second quarter. That was the first touchdown the Texans scored on the road since week two. Week two, it was still September. There was still hope for the Giants. There was still hope for the Jets season. Week two, 63 days between road touchdowns. Tied for the longest drought since the merger. 
Honestly, the Texans right now, I would say that they seem like the most hopeless organization right now. Other teams, you know, you can delude yourself into having hope. Uh, if you're a Texans fan, I don't know what exactly you are tying that hope into. Now, look, they still play the Jaguars. They play the Jets this week. So they could actually win more. But at this point, it's kind of pointless. It actually would be more damaging for the Texans to ever think, oh, you know what? Maybe this isn't so bad. No, it's bad. It's 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 not only as bad as you might think it is. It's worse. It's a hundred times worse than you even can imagine. So for those reasons and so many others, the Houston Texans, you are number four on the poop rankings. Okay, so now we're we're down to the heavy hitters. Number three. Well, speaking of hopeless, 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 hopeless. If, if Hopeless had a team, it would be the Miami Dolphins. Yes, usually this is the time of year Dolphin fans can start looking ahead to the NFL draft. That is that is a, a tradition unlike any other. Forget about the Masters. Oh, no, the Dolphin fan looking ahead to the draft. That goes back even beyond the Masters. And, and this year, the Dolphin fan can't even do that because the trades they made last year not only traded away their first-round pick, but also traded their third-round pick. So not like nothing, a third-round pick for a tight end who I don't believe has played in it. Hunter Long, they got uh, this tight end as if they need that. They didn't want to take the tight end in Kyle Pitts at number three. What do you need another tight end for? So then they would burn a third-round pick, which they traded to the Giants to move up to get Hunter Long, who I don't believe has – maybe he has played in a game, but he has not done anything so far this year and this after last year's draft where they trade away the third overall pick so don't allow themselves to take jamar chase or kyle pitts and then they take jalen waddle and they basically game plan him like he's jarvis landry right like hey we got jalen waddle he's like um a tyreek hill clone really right now jalen waddle is on pace to catch 105 balls this year wow that's that's impressive right 105 catches He's also on pace to have less than 1,000 yards. This for a guy you took sixth in the draft. Oh, what a mess of an organization. They have no idea what they're doing. It's only going to get worse. So maybe I should actually be thankful if they don't have any draft picks because uh, they'll probably just screw it up anyway. So for those reasons and so many more, the Miami Dolphins, you are number three on the poop rankings. All right, we're on to number two. Well, look, I mean... I keep trying to do something to get this team out. I mean, it's not a good look. But we are at the point of the season. This is usually the point of the season where Dolphin fans start doing the old mock drafts, generally. We're about another week or two away from Jet fans touting how they have so many draft picks and cap space. Well, look at all the cap space we have. You've had cap space for like the last five years, it seems like, and you've done basically nothing with it. Here's the deal. The offense for the Jets looked better with Mike White. The offense with Josh Josh Johnson threw three touchdown passes in, I think, three quarters against the Colts. And Joe Flacco just put up 291 and two scores. This week, Zach Wilson gets to come back against, I mean, one of the worst teams in the sport. Like, if the Texans didn't pull off the absolute stunner of stunners a week ago by beating the Titans... The Texans were probably, this is generally the spot the Texans find themselves in. So, uh, and for the Jets, we did not come into this season 
as I've said before, having any win total in mind. They have to win this many games. They have to win that many games. But nobody said you didn't have to win any games. You have. I mean, you have to win this. I don't care if it's on the road. I don't care if it's on the moon. Zach Wilson's got to play better, and the Jets have to win. And I'll be honest with you. I've read all the different tweets, all the different quotes, raving about how Zach Wilson looks so much better than he was. Oh, he's playing so much faster in his mind. I might end up on the injury report with how hard I rolled my eyes looking at all those tweets. So now we can go back to watching the quarterback and ignoring the defense. But Zach Wilson's got to play better, and this Jets defense has got to play better. I mean, they're coming off. You'd have to say last week was like their best performance of the season, the Jets defense. And this team, even as bad as as, as everybody would like to make Tua out to be, even as bad as the Dolphin offense is, you'd have to say the Texans offense is even worse. I mean, we gave you the numbers earlier. I mean, they are brutal. So, yeah, the Jets have to go out there and play well. The fact that they are underdogs against the Texans, oh, my, if I would have told you that before the season, you, oh, you're just a Jet hater. That's reality. That's what we're looking at right now. And I believe, I believe the line actually opened at two, and now it's at two and a half. So, for those reasons, and so many others, we could, I mean, I could do the rest of the show just on the Jets. But for those reasons, I don't want to do that. But for that reason and so many others, the Jets, number two on the polar opposite of power rankings. All right, so that leaves us to number one. And this is, uh, I remember back in the day, You Light Up My Life by Debbie Boone was like the number one song for like two or three months. I mean, so, I mean, solid week after week, number one song. And unfortunately, as bad as that song was, the NFL equivalent of You Light Up My Life by Debbie Boone is the Detroit Lions. Yeah. Oh, there's a whole bunch of them there. Yeah, it's the lot. I mean, even in a league where the impossible can happen on any given Sunday, the Lions, they are the constant, and they are constantly terrible. I mean, I think I would rather spend Thanksgiving with actual Lions in my house at this point. I, I mean, everyone has their favorite part of Thanksgiving. The Lions clearly have to be the worst part of Thanksgiving. And imagine being a Lions fan, as bad as being a Lions fan is, where nothing has ever really been good. It's just been degrees of awful. Every Thanksgiving gets ruined by this team. I mean, oh, it's just brutal. And at least back in the day, you'd have a Barry Sanders. You'd have a Herman Moore. At least they'd be kind of competitive. I was not even watching that game on Thursday all that closely. On at least, I want to say it was more than this, but I know for a fact at least two separate occasions, the Lions had two second and 32s. How is that possible? You should go the entire season without having a second and 32. And they had it on two separate possessions. I also think they had a first down and 30. I mean, like, what? They are so bad. They You can be, like, walking past the television, and it's like a car wreck. You're, you're just drawn to it like a moth to a flame, and it has about the same result. Oh, my God. They're so bad. They're always bad. How is it possible? Like, I, I saw something about, there was a report that the NFL is thinking about expanding or something like that, some 
cockamamie report somewhere. All right, fine. By exp- You should take away the Lions. Like, you should take it away from Lion fans. Look, I don't know how old you are. They're, they're wasted years. We can't give you those years back. But at this point, say you're like a 50-year-old Lions fan, right? And the Lions eventually, in your lifetime, which is against all odds at this point, but eventually they become good. And they eventually go on to a Super Bowl. And let's even say they win a Super Bowl. Is that a fair trade to get finally a Super Bowl chance? Would that have been worth it? If I came to you as a 12-year-old, right? And I said, what's your favorite team? Okay, it's the Lions. All right. For the next 45 years, they're going to be terrible. I mean, you're never really going to get anything good out of this relationship. But in like year 50, they'll finally win a Super Bowl. Is that something that you would invest your time? Would you make that trade? Of course not. Of course not. So even if the Lions, let's say next year, they go on and win a Super Bowl, it would... If the Lions won a Super Bowl next year, it would make the miracle on ice look like a routine Saturday. But let's say they even won next year. I mean, think about all the people who have come and gone on this planet Earth that that rooted for the Lions, and it was just a complete waste of time. And by the way, I don't know if this has gotten any other attention. I I saw it, and I I, I actually had to do some research. How is Tim Tim Boyle is the Lions' backup quarterback? How is that guy in the NFL? I took a look. I, I saw that he threw. I, I, does anybody know his college? He threw four touchdown passes in college. How did he get to the NFL? He played at Connecticut for the first three years. He threw one touchdown pass in three years. And then I think he, what was it, Eastern Kentucky, Western Kentucky, someplace in Kentucky, and he threw two in his last season. How did that happen? Is somebody thinking that it's some other boy? Like, I always go to call him Tom Boyle. Is Tom, was Tom Boyle good in college, and they think that it's Tom Boyle? I mean, it's possible. It's the Lions. Woof. It was, it's a rough Thanksgiving every single year. And really, just for the mental health. Like, Lion fans need a mental health day every Thanksgiving. And the Lions, obviously, first team to go 0-16. And it seems pretty cool. Like, if you couldn't beat the Bears at home with Andy Dalton on Thanksgiving, It seems pretty clear at this point you're going to be the first team to go winless in 17 games as well. So for those reasons and really so many others, once again this week, the number one team on the polar opposite of power ranking, the Detroit Lions, you are number one on the poop list. Yes, 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. It is the Gordon Damer Show coming up. Still lots to do as we take you up till 7 o'clock. Knicks and Hawks pregame then. We still get back to your phone calls. We'll get into the NFL picks. Lots to do as we take you up until 7. It is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM ESPN New York. Yes, we are back. It is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM ESPN New York. We talked a lot about the uh, NFL today, lots about the Jets, lots about the Giants. But time for our NFL picks. We do every single game, every single week that we're on in this time slot, which sometimes varies. But uh, last week, I should let you know, worst week of the season so far, 6-9 and nine. last week in Week 11, including, obviously, the derailment of the free money express. The Jets uh, not able to uh, carry on uh, their end of the bargain. But look, 
We're ready to get back on track. Two and one on Thursday. So um, now 79 and 74 on the season. So let's get to it. Week number 12 in the NFL. Oh, yes. Very ominous music, if there ever was. And let's start with a very ominous situation with the Tennessee Titans. Titans on the road this week facing off against the Patriots. And look, if you jumped on this game early, which I would love to have done early in the week when the Patriots were, you know, minus, I think they were minus two and a half, minus three. But with all the injuries that the Titans, A.J. Brown on injured reserve, no Julio Jones, Titans are now plus seven. So that line has obviously jumped a lot here in the last few days with all the different injuries that have gone on. And now it stayed at seven. I thought maybe it might get up to seven and a half. Well, look, there has been one trend this season that has stood the test of time. When any, whenever everyone crowns you, head to the exits. Head to the exits because, like, last week was the perfect example. Like, I thought that the Titans would eventually get knocked off, but not against the – not against the – or, the, excuse me, the, the Titans would get knocked off, but not against the Texans. Texans, Titans, it's too much. It's like Iowa, Ohio, and Idaho. There should not be three states that are all named that – somebody's got to change something. But I digress. The Patriots are clearly the flavor of the week, right? Five straight wins. I think they lead the NFL with uh, point differential this year. Mac Jones. Oh, everybody loves Mac Jones. Belichick is back. Patriots at home. How can you go wrong? Give me Tennessee. Get, I, when everyone else zigs, I zag people. Now, sometimes people can say, Gordon, what the hell are you zagging for? Everybody's over here zigging. Well, I'm zagging this week. Give me Tennessee. Plus the points. All right, moving on. We've talked about them a lot today, people. Jets at the Texans. Jets plus two and a half. Let, let that sink in. The Texans. I mean, for all the low points the Jets have had, they are getting points against the Texans. I'm sorry, Jet fans. You can't lose this game. You absolutely can't lose this game. No one anywhere had any expectations about wins and losses for the Jets this year. But no one said, well, you can just go lose all. I mean, you have to win some games. And if you're not winning this game, like last week was a game you should absolutely have won. This one's even more. I mean, come on. Zach Wilson's coming back. You've, you've picked, you've tailored his return for the perfect opponent. You didn't want him against the Bills. You couldn't have him against the Dolphins. Here come the Houston Texans. And... Texans coming off a win. They're feeling good about themselves. You're getting points. You have to win this game, but I'm getting points. So give me the Jets plus the two and a half. All right, Eagles, Giants, Giants getting three and a half. Well, look, here it is, people. The Giants are free. They're free, people. Let let it breathe. They're free from the shackles of Jason Garrett, who is holding them back, holding back the Giant playmakers. Holding back Daniel Jones. Holding back the offense. So here you go. No more excuses. It's such a simple fix, right? Get the ball to your playmakers and occasionally throw the ball down the field. Now, there's not a lot of hope with the Giants these days. And I've always said the worst thing you can do is believe in the Giants. 
They will just destroy whatever fate. You give them a second chance, a third chance, a fourth chance, a fifth chance. The worst thing you can do is believe in the Giants. But the second worst thing, not, not as well known, is to count the Giants out completely. And it feels like a lot of people are just completely counting the Giants out. I expect this is going to sound crazy. But that's sometimes you got to live life a little crazy. I expect the Giants to put up 30 points tomorrow. Yes, and yes, they're only going to play one game. They're going to score 30 points. How many games do they put? No, they're only playing the one game. It's not a doubleheader. And I also kind of think the Giants will win the game outright. Now, I'm not, I'm not, it's not the free money express, people. I gave you that on Thursday with the Bills. The, the, the free money express is back in business, people. We, we, we souped it up. We got the tires back on there, and we're good to go. But for our purposes here, Give me the Giants, plus three and a half. All right, moving on. We are uh, Buccaneers at Colts. Colts plus three. Uh, both Devin White and Vitavea are expected to play. Well, look, here's the thing with the Colts. Everybody loves the Colts right now. But the thing with them is they really can only beat you one way. Now, it's a great way when it works, and it worked fantastically last week against the Bills. But, you know, like what happens if the Colts start to, like, get down by a touchdown? They're still going to still run the ball, and maybe it's still effective, but that's not really the best way to attack the Buccaneers, especially if they're, they're healthier than they have been. So I know the Bucs are on the road. I know I'm giving points, but uh, give me Tampa minus the field goal. Are you ready for the big game on Sunday? Are you – there's some – just know right now there is someone somewhere sitting – and they're anticipating tomorrow's game between the Falcons and the Jaguars. Oh, yeah. NFL. I love the NFL. I could watch any game. Really? <laughs> Here you go. <laughs> Here's your test. Falcons at the Jaguars. Jags are uh, plus two. Oh, I mean, imagine that this is your game. Imagine this is the one. Imagine watching this one. And then imagine betting this one. Yes, if you're betting this game, 1-800-GAMBLER calls you because uh, you, <laughs> you, need, you need someone to intervene. Um, I guess give me the Falcons. I mean, it's only two. Falcons offense uh, is not great, but the Jaguars are terrible. So I can't in good conscience bet the Jaguars. And, like, at this point of the year, like all the teams that had the rookie quarterbacks, you know, last year in the draft high up, you'd like to think that they're starting to figure it out a little bit. Yeah, I don't, it doesn't really seem like that for the Jaguars. They may be. I mean, there's still, what, six games left for them, so there's a possibility. But uh, I know the Falcons, oof. They've been just so bad offensive. I think they went like 20 possessions in a row without scoring a touchdown or something like that. So, I mean, they still have talent. I, I think that they'll be able to, uh, to get that win against the Jaguars. All right, moving on. Panthers at the Dolphins. Well, this one is only uh, slightly better. Uh, Panthers, I think, are, are a more talented team. And uh, the Dolphins proved last week that they will only win games to spite me. I believe that the world revolves around me. And if you listen to the show last week, yes, I got it wrong. I said that the Dolphins would absolutely lose the game. If you listen to what I said, I mean, I got a lot of the predictions of that game right. The problem was the one area I really messed up was the score. And it turns out when you're betting, the score, that's one of the ones that a lot of people actually end up betting is the actual score of the game. So, uh, you know, it's on me. I, I accept uh, full responsibility. Just realize if you're blaming me for uh, losing you money, anytime you point the finger at somebody, three more point back at you, people. But moving on, Panthers, Dolphins. Dolphins are uh, plus two, a plus two at home 
Oh, the Dolphins are slightly better than the Jets, but it's funny. People, I've already seen people, well, you know, Dolphins get this win. They still have the Giants on the schedule. They still have the Jets another time. Yeah, <laughs> okay. All right, let's not get carried away. Give me Carolina minus two on the road. And it's funny, it's been a while. You know, I think the last time the Dolphins played Carolina was like three or four years ago, and they, you know, Cam was still there, and uh, they just mauled him. I, I, I'm pretty sure it was either a Monday night or a Thursday night game, and Cam just like ran up one side of them and ran down the other. So uh, I'm sure that Cam, it, it will be turn back the clock uh, day uh, for the Dolphins, uh, and not in a good sense. Not in a good sense. All right, moving on. Uh, Steelers at the Bengals, Pittsburgh. On the road, getting uh, three and a half. Well, uh, Steelers getting a little healthier. T.J. Watt expected back. And as I've touted many times, Mike Tomlin's record as a head coach, as the underdog, very, very strong. So, look, it's tough to get a real feel for this game. The Bengals won it pretty easily earlier in the season. But I think the Steelers are playing better back uh, than they were back then. And it's a division game. It's more than a field goal. So give me the uh, points and give me Pittsburgh on the road. All right, we're moving it through uh, week 12 here, people. Uh, Chargers and the Broncos. Chargers, L.A. going to Denver and L.A. minus two and a half. I, I'd like to, first off, congratulate myself. I think this is the first year that I have not referred to the Chargers being from San Diego. I don't believe I've had any of those mess-ups on the air, at least not, uh, not yet. Season's not over. Kind of surprised it's only two and a half, right? I thought it would be a little bit higher than this, and I don't know, maybe it's the possibility it changes before game time. But if the Chargers, I've mentioned before, the Chargers are my imaginary TV TV girlfriend because the Dolphins, they are brutal to watch. I still, for whatever reason, find myself doing it. But if I'm picking a team for the year, coming into the year, betting-wise, just uh, just how they play and their style of play, the young quarterback. I like the Chargers. I like watching the Chargers. Upstart team. Never really had any real major success anytime recently. So uh, if the Chargers want to make the playoffs this year, this is the kind of game they have to have. You can't be – and they still play the Broncos another time. So important division game there and, uh, you know, only, less than a field goal. So give me L.A. on the road. Now, this next game, I find this next game fascinating because both teams are 5-5. Five and five. Both teams, it feels like, should be – they're both kind of both better than 5-5, five and five, but also at times worse than 5-5, five and five. so maybe 5-5 five and five is right. But it's Vikings at the 49ers, Minnesota plus 3.5. And, and you would think with the layout of the playoff picture in the NFC, the team that wins this game – well, obviously, they'll have a leg up on making the playoffs, and they'd have a real sh- – it's not just like, oh, well, they'll have a leg up on the other team, but they'll have a real shot to make the playoffs moving to 6-5. and five. Niners have played better. They've won three of four ever since everyone was getting on Kyle Shanahan, and, oh, you know, he's not really a good head coach. Okay. Uh, and the Vikings are the only team this season, I think the entire year, to lead every game at one point by a touchdown. So I hate picking the Vikings because I always get it wrong. So I hate picking the Vikings, but mostly I hate myself. So give me Minnesota plus the three and a half. Rams at the Packers, L.A. minus two. Rams coming off back-to-back losses and then their bye week. Packers all banged up, including Rodgers with uh, the toe, whatever is going on. I don't even want to get into that. Just uh, thank heavens he didn't have a colonoscopy. Let's just put it that way with that video. 
Um, the line went from Rams plus one to Rams minus two, and it, obviously that has to do with all the Packer injuries. Now, it seems like they're getting a little healthier, but they've lost their left tackle. I think they're going to be down to their third string left tackle, and the Rams just simply cannot fo- afford another loss. Or let's put it this way, the Packers can afford a loss a lot more than the Rams can. So uh, minus two, uh, I'll take L.A. on the road for the bounce back. Then we have Browns at the Ravens, Cleveland plus three and a half. The Browns are, as I've pointed out many times, mostly because of my own inaccurate picks, they're complete frauds. They're frauds. Anytime that they go up against a decent team, you're thinking to yourself, well, you know what, the Browns, the offensive line, the defensive line, yeah, they're getting healthy. They're frauds. But the thing about frauds is they suck you in. They suck you in. They do just enough. Now, Baker Mayfield is hurt. He's been a mess. But the schedule for the Browns, really weird. Browns and the Ravens play twice in a three-week span. But for the Browns, it's back-to-back games. So I think that they'll probably split those games. So it's just a question, do they win this one? Do they win that one? Three and a half. I, I'm, I have a hard time picking the Browns. But give me Cleveland plus three and a half. Then we get to Seattle against the football team. Oof, that's a... That's a rough game as well. <laughs> well, a game that maybe you thought coming off of last year, right? Well, Seattle, they're always in the playoffs. Football team coming off a, a solid um, a solid performance last year, winning the division. Yeesh, this is a tough one to go by. Seattle is getting one. The Seahawks have been a complete mess. And they've actually been worse since Russell Wilson has come back, and this is the Monday night game. They've had one touchdown in the two games since Russell Wilson's return. Now, I thought last week that Seattle would have a little bit of life. Clearly, they did not. But that's going up against a really good Arizona squad. This week, going up against the football team, which, look, maybe this is a high-scoring affair. Seahawks clearly have to break out at some point. But uh, I'm going to say, give me Seattle and the point on the road. Okay, so those are your NFL picks for week number 12. You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN.